Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to our podcast here at KPC. We are in our first week of Lent. Um, can you believe it? It's It's been quite an interesting journey with all the encounters that Jesus have had with individuals over the course of the last five weeks. And today is no different. Um, today we'll look at a very unique encounter that Jesus has with his dear friends and how he responds to death. We remind you that we have Palm Sunday next week, <clears throat> entering into Holy Week. We have services every evening at 7.30 and you'd be very welcome to join us for that. What I hope you'll get out of our time of worship this morning is a promise. If Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can bring you to new life. Lazarus' death will give Jesus an opportunity to demonstrate the power of God to raise the dead to new life. So may that be true for you as well. Our reading is from John 11 and the heading there is the death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, 
even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of God. Amen. One of the many privileges I have as a minister is to conduct funerals. A few weeks ago, I was leading a service for a woman who'd died suddenly. I never met her, but for some reason I truly struggled to hold back the tears. It could have been the moment of reflection accompanied by Ed Sheeran's supermarket flowers or the powerful eulogy by the deceased daughter. But then I realized Absolutely everyone was sobbing. The sadness and grief was palpable. You could feel the heaviness in the room. James says life is but a mist and then it disappears. Job 8 says our days on earth are but a shadow. The sand in the hourglass is running out. Death is inevitable. Quite heavy, isn't it? Jesus uses death here to do Two things. Firstly, to draw attention to himself, and then secondly, to bring healing to broken hearts. Before we get to them, we need to answer another very important question. Why would Jesus delay his response? When Jesus heard about his good friend Lazarus' sickness, we read he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus hears a desperate plea for help and demonstrates his love by delay. 
Where is the sense of agency? Is done healings from a distance. Why not do it again? We get the answer in verse 5. It is for God's glory. Something bigger is happening behind the scenes. Or will happen for all to see. But we don't like waiting, do we? We want things to happen now. You ever get that where you feel God is delaying things, not responding to your prayers? Ah, oh Lord, you're taking too long. Come on now, hurry up. You ever get frustrated waiting on the Lord? It's hard, it's tough. Unanswered prayers for weeks, months, sometimes even years. Maybe for financial provision or healing. Or maybe you're praying for that feeling of longing in your life that's not been met. Are you not in the career of your dreams? Well, we all know delays turn to disappointment and then into bitter dejection. And we think, does God care? Is He indifferent? But wait, there's always a purpose in the delay. The motive is love. The illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, we read. It's the key to this passage. But that's not what mourners want to hear, right? I can imagine that's how Mary and Martha must have felt, abandoned and disappointed when Jesus eventually pitched up. In fact, the eventually is four days too late. Why is this of significance? Well, we need to understand how funerals worked back in the first century. In warm countries, it was the custom to bury the deceased within the first 24 hours. Lazarus was dead and buried and was decomposing enough that, as the King James Version says, by this time he stinketh. Because there was no embalming and no medical practitioners of the contemporary sort that are needed to declare a person day to day, occasionally what happened was the heart started fibrillating. The breath and the breathing was just so shallow that you couldn't even detect it. There were reports of people being carried out in their caskets to the grave when suddenly, as they were being carried out, they heard tick, tick, tick. The body inside resuscitated. This led to a few Jewish theories, for example. When a person dies, the soul hovers over the body of the deceased for three days, intending to re-enter it. But as soon as it sees the appearance changing because of the decomposition, then it departs. Maybe you've heard the expression, saved by the bell. Well, in the medieval ages, when they buried people, they actually attached a piece of string to a person's toe, with a bell close to the graveside in case they would wake up, start moving about and then astonished bystanders would hear the bell ring and people would realize the person in the coffin is actually still alive. That's just a side note for your interest sake. Four days is important. The spirit left the building or the body for sure. He was dead. D-E-A-D dead. Jesus saw beyond death to God's infinitely greater power, forevermore challenging his followers to a deeper understanding 
of God. Bringing us to our two points. How does Jesus respond to death, to this loss, to the grief in this passage? Well, two ways. With truth and with compassion. He's teaching us that Jesus is both God and both human. Martha and Mary repeat the same statement in verse 21 and 32 after their initial encounter with Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus responds differently to each of them. To Martha, he gives a truth bomb. No grief counseling, no pastoral approach, no heartfelt condolences, just truth, facts. Your brother will rise again. This was a common Jewish belief. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, wholeheartedly. I believe you are the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. This is interesting. Jesus comes up against devastating loss and consoles grief by directing attention to himself. He does not say, oh, you poor woman, let me give you a hug. I'm praying for you. You know, God still cares and loves us. What he does is direct attention to himself. In fact, when you stop and think about it, that's what he's doing constantly in the Gospels. He's pointing people to himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. The true vine, the bread of life, the good shepherd, the light of the world. And then he says here, yeah, I am the resurrection and the life. Right here, right now. Not one day, when the final day arrives, as the Jews believed, right now. Jesus sees resurrection in the present moment. If you've ever attended an AA meeting, you too would have witnessed resurrection and second chances. Referring to the act on Easter Sunday that will give hope to humanity. His own resurrection. But we're not entirely there yet. Bringing us to his second response in reaction to Mary's question and statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He moves from truth, I'm the resurrection and the life, to compassion and empathy. Isn't that amazing? It says that when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The Greek word used here for their emotions is kleo. It denotes a loud, demonstrative kind of weeping that would be characteristic of mourning in that time and place. For seven days, some commentators summarizes it, as an unrestrained wailing and shriekingly hysterical voice. For it was the Jewish point of view that the more unrestrained the weeping there was, the more honor it paid to the dead. And then what happens? Jesus weeps. It's interesting the word dakrua, which is used in verse 35 for Jesus' weeping, is a quiet kind of weeping. This is the only instance in the Bible where Dakrua is used. In other words, his feelings are all stirred up inside him. Even though 
He knows what is to come and that this loss is only temporary. His heart aches with those who are hurting. Out of his great love, Jesus emphasizes with those who mourn and he joins them in their suffering, offering his own tears. There is a tangible sense of solidarity with those who grieve. He grieved with Mary and Martha. Jesus loved them and Lazarus. He grieved that Lazarus had died. He identified with their pain and he understood their tears. That's what friends do. They cry when you cry. Jesus, fully divine, but also fully human. He knows your pain. He knows your loss. If only you were there, God, you might say. You've prayed that before. I know. We've all prayed that before. But he knows. He understands. He was there. And he is here. God still identifies with people who are hurting. When we cry, God cries too. Here is not a picture of a God who is immovable or unemotional or uninvolved. Here is a God with a weeping heart. Here is the Lord of the universe with tears in his eyes. Amazing, isn't it? And then Lazarus is instructed to come out of the tomb, raised from the dead. Ironically, his name means God helps at the right time to make his name known. The last and arguably the greatest of the seven signs and miracles in the book of John, the only gospel to record the story. He becomes a key character who, like the Samaritan woman, leads many to faith in Christ Jesus. We read in chapter 12, verse 11, For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The physical life that Jesus gives Lazarus is only a reprieve, but the eternal life that Jesus offers all of us is eternal forevermore. And friends, while we wait, he waits with us in our sorrow. He will hold us. He holds us. If Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can bring you to new life as well. Not even death can separate you from him. We read in Romans 8. C.S. Lewis writes, and I'll end off with this. Death is a beginning, not an end. It is our passage to a life that will never end. Death came into the world through sin. It was conquered by the sinless. Sin and death have no mastery over us. Jesus took both to the cross and triumphed over them in the resurrection. May this resonate deep into your heart in this day and then this week ahead. That in your suffering, in your loss, in your grief and mourning, He is there with you. He weeps alongside you. Remember that. But also remember the truth that He is the resurrection and the life. It is for His glory. That's why it's important to be part of community, community of faith, to remind one another of this doctrine, that He is always with us. And for us.
not even death, can separate us from his love. May that be true for you in the time ahead. Be blessed. Amen.